Viktor Frankl said, Everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms. To choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's way. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson. Stay tuned for the next hour as Sue explores the human psyche, what makes us tick and how to live better, more fulfilled and more meaningful lives. Only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on the Finding Human program on 101.9 High FM. My guests today are Roni and Ivor Wolf in Israel, and our topic is Challenges and Choices. Today we are dedicating this program to Regina Warman, uh, Roni's beloved sister who passed away a few months ago. I am looking at Roni now. Sometimes she's called Ronnie, but she said it's kind of like with an Israeli accent, Ronnie. <laughs> and what a beautiful woman is looking back at me from Zoom from Israel. <laughs> Hello, are you there? Can you hear me, Ronnie? I can hear you clearly. Thank you. Oh, yes. good. Roni is actually with her husband, Ava, who's somewhere in the background there. And I think we're going to have a private uh, uh, program, especially with him, because he has his own special story to tell. I want to thank Ava and Roni's niece, uh, Larice Date, uh, Tate-Spudman, for alerting Chai FM to your remarkable story, Roni. Thank you so much, Larice. We really appreciate it. Um, Ava and I have been in contact with each other on email for the last week or so, and he suggested that I speak to Roni yesterday just to make her feel at ease coming on my program. Well, what a surprise. I think Roni and I both felt at ease. We were supposed to be talking for about 10 minutes, and our conversation ended up being an hour. Are you feeling confident being on the program with me today, Roni? I don't know about feeling confident, but I'm very confident with being with you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> right, Roni, let's start by saying I wanted to just read you this particular quote. You are not the darkness you endured. You are the light that refused to surrender. And wow. that is very definitely your story. Would you like to start talking to us about when you first went into an orphanage in 1942. I was two years old when the Germans, the Gestapo, came to take my family away. And apparently I was left running around the streets of Belgium with many, uh, with many other children. And an orphanage was opened and they rounded us up, I suppose, like cattle and put us there. And um, it was quite a good experience for me. Were you Unusual. with your older sister, Regina? Yes, yes, Regina was with me. And uh, I actually was number one there, and she was number two, because each one had a number, not on our arms, but in our heads. Mm. And um, yes, yes, we were rounded up and put there together. And eventually the home filled up. Uh, the Gestapo knew about it. It was under the auspices of the Queen of Belgium. And, uh, um, go, 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 and, go um, wait, I'm still here. Okay, yeah, you just, you, 
went for a moment, but so you were, it was under the auspices of the Queen of Belgium, so was she keeping the orphanage safe? Did she know it was for Jewish children yes. mainly? Yes, she told the story, and um, what happened was she made us, uh, uh, an agreement with the German government or whoever was in charge of the army that the Jews of Belgium, Belgium would not be touched, would not be taken. However, they they had so many immigrants from Poland and Eastern Europe in Belgium because of the pogroms in the east that uh, they hadn't taken out citizenships. They were usually on their way to the Golden Medina. And uh, so they collected the immigrant Jews. The Jews of Belgium actually were not allowed to be touched. Ah. And she, yes, I also didn't know that Gosh. for many, many years. Mm. And that's why a lot of Belgian Jews were not actually deported. Only the immigrant Jewish population. And you know, that's actually a very important uh, point to, to remember because as anti-Semitism rises again and Holocaust denial is rife, we need to hear these stories of righteous Gentiles and, you know, who actually kept, as you say, the Jews of Belgium safe. So you were actually born in Antwerp, is that right? Yes, that's right. And can, are you allowed to give me your age? Oh, I have to think a little bit, but I think I'm 82. <laughs> you don't look at it at all. <laughs> now, tell me, when you went into the orphanage, what what are the memories that you actually retain? All right. So I was there till the age of five, so I do retain some memories. The one particular one I, I remember is um, standing at the window of the dining hall in the orphanage and seeing soldiers crouch and and moving from right to left along in the garden of the orphanage. I don't know if they were Belgian, I don't know if they were German, but that's a vivid memory. Mm-hmm. And did, it, did that memory upset you when you actually saw it there? What was your reaction? I really didn't know what was happening. It was just mm-hmm. unusual. Maybe I was too young to know exactly what was going on. But uh, it's very prominent in my memory cage. I have another. Yeah. Go on. You have. What? I have another. I have another memory of uh, bombs. Today I know they're bombs, and where we were all hustled down into an underground space. And I mean, I didn't know what was going on. I just remembered the smell of cabbage. Whenever anybody mm. I come from England, if Whenever I meet anybody cooking cabbage, I remember that mm. that's that happening. Mm. And tell me, what, what made you feel safe in that orphanage? Or who made you feel safe? That, that is a big question. The manageress of the orphanage, orphanage was a Jewish Belgian, so they weren't going to take her. And she was 26 years old, unmarried. Her name was Madame Blum. And uh, I was two, under two when I arrived. And she she just picked me up. I have photos given to me after the war by the people there and whoever. And each photo 
most photos of me are in her arms. Mm. And I felt so safe and secure in her arms. Mm -mm. How amazing Uh, that she was able to give you that security. Well, I don't... He eventually married the guy who used to... Freddie Bloom, who used to travel abroad to get uh, uh, monies for the orphanage. And she eventually married him. Oh, did um, she? Yeah, was it, it must have been just after the war. Okay, we're going to get back to that shortly. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. This is Sue Jackson on the Finding Human program and I'm back and I'm talking to Roni Wolf from Israel and she is telling me the story of when she was a little girl and her parents were rounded up and taken to the, to the gas chambers and she was sent into, uh, eventually into an orphanage. Uh, first, the first part was that she was actually at that very young age running in the streets. Of Brussels. Hello, Roni. I'm back with you. Um, now, Mrs. Bloom, Madam Bloom, you called her. Uh, she carried you wherever she went. Is that so? Is that right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and what yeah. what are the other children? What were your relationships like with the other children? Uh, no relationship with the other children. I was. They went to school, the ones who were over the age of uh, six, and the little ones were left running around the gardens. The gardener was there with me and the cook. I've got a picture with a cook in her arms. You know, we just, I suppose, just ran around. (laughs) How amazing. But you felt safe and you felt happy with her. You knew you could always run to her. Yes, I felt happy, secure. I loved her. And, and she was called, um, her maiden name at the time was Marie Albert. Mm. And she married um, Freddie Blum and became Madame Blum later. Okay. And where did she live after the war? After war? She stayed in Belgium. Oh, she did lived she? there. Mm. Yes. And did she have children war. of her own after the war? She had two children and we met them. Uh, not often, but on our ways to Europe or back or whatever. All right, yes. we're not going to jump to that just yet. But after the war, tell me what yes. are the memories that you have from when the war ended. Do you remember liberation? Whoa, yes, I remember. I was on somebody's shoulders in the streets in Belgium near the orphanage, I suppose, and tanks were going through the streets and they were throwing cigarettes and sweets and the noise. I remember it very well. Mm-hmm. And briefly, but what did you say? Yeah. Sorry. It, it was brief that moment, but mm-hmm. I remember it well. Also, I remember when my aunt from England, my father's bro- uh, sister, married an Englishman in 1938 and came to Belgium to take me back, me and my sister, back to uh, England. And she came and Madame Blum, I was sleeping on a bunker bed, and Madame Blum said, uh, you know, Rizal, Ronnie, uh, get up, your auntie is here to take you. And I said, I don't want to go. And she said, she said, give me your hand. 
and I wouldn't give her my hand. I just took her leg and I just held her leg and I was screaming and crying. I didn't want to go. How old were you at the time? Five. And and, uh, eventually she pulled me away and next thing I see myself on a boat with my sister Regin who during the war had been farmed out to a Catholic woman and she was also happy there. But the woman used to bring her to meet me so we had a connection. And there we were on our boat to England. At one stage, you were also um, sent away from the orphanage for a short yes. while. Just tell me about that experience. <laughs> you were having a laugh. <laughs> yes. Just remember, I don't remember it. But I was sent away to a dentist family. Uh, well, actually, it was a couple who couldn't have children, but a middle-aged couple. And uh, she put food in front of me and I wouldn't eat. And she didn't know why I wouldn't eat. So she phoned Madame Blum. Why won't this child eat? And Madame Blum said, well, maybe she's waiting for the bell to go. Because at the orphanage, we all had to sit waiting. And when the bell went, we could actually pick up our forks and knives and eat. So Madame Blum said to her, just get two lids of the saucepan and bang them together. But Ronnie maybe wasn't stupid. She knew the difference between a bell and lids of a saucepan. (laughs) So they sent back to the orphanage. And I, I remember reading something about they also said they've got a lovely little Jewish child. You were a particularly pretty little girl also. I've got the photos that Ava has sent through. You're a beautiful little girl. So what, what was that about? The, they were obviously also a, not a Jewish family. Oh, can you, I suppose they weren't a Jewish family and they, they boasted. But in those days, the Gestapo was everywhere. And Madame Bloom was worried that because they boasted that they had a Jewish child. Madame Bloom was worried. That's why she took Ronnie back. She, because uh, they both had a Jewish child and that was very public. Wow. She decided to bring back because to protect her. They thought they were in danger as well. Uh, it just shows you how often Madame Bloom stepped in to save you. Isn't it amazing? Uh, she saved a lot of the kids. Sorry, Abba, how many children? She saved hundreds. When the, when the Nazis raided, two months after Ronnie arrived, when the Nazis raided, there were 58 children taken to the siding to, to be able to send to Auschwitz. But over the period of time, she saved hundreds of children mm. because what she did, she used to farm them out. Ronnie's got a photograph of herself with a little teddy bear. Yes, it's beautiful. He found out the children on, on, uh, it's okay. She found out these children to non, whoever would take them. Obviously, Ronnie was sent to a non-Jewish family. Her sister was sent to a, a woman, uh, a Catholic woman who uh, never married. Was, uh, I, I called her a nun, but they said she wasn't a nun. And she was looked after by this Catholic woman over the years. So, Madame Lumbe, Managed to move these children out as quickly as possible. Hmm. Uh, and, and she obviously went through hundreds of children. At any one stage, when, when the Germans actually raided and they took them away two months and they were 58, but, it, but the, the, the actual orphanage housed about a hundred children at any one time. Hmm. The, the main story though, and I think the greatest story of all is when, the, when the Nazis raided to take their children away, Madame Blum had the good sense 
to say that she was not going to leave the children. She was going with them, even though they had instructions not to take her because she was a Belgian citizen. Mm. And she paid. She decided, she, she told you had to pay the staff. And the Nazis agreed that she should pay the staff. Obviously, they're not Jewish. Mm. So she wrapped up a note and she gave a note to one of the girls hoping that she would contact the Queen Mother. The Queen Mother was the, the main sponsor of this orphanage. And she hoped that this would come about. And she stayed with the children all the time while they were on the, on this particular uh, truck going all the way to a, a siding, which is a very famous siding. It's Michelin, mm-hmm. Michelin, Michelin, Dawson siding. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, all the way they went there. But the one great thing she did before that, she took the officer in charge of the Gestapo, took him into a room and showed him two little boys. And she told him these boys had contagious diseases. She was telling a fib, she wasn't telling the truth. But in fact, and the, and the officer asked them, are you, are you ill? Have you got contagious disease? And these two children innocently said no. So he loaded them as well. And mm-hmm. this eventually saved the kids all because when they got to the siding, the Germans are very organized. They took names, they took details, they were putting them on a train and they took, and, but a bloom came and said, look, I had two children with contagious diseases. And of course the German are not the Gestapo, the German organized. They said, you can't put them on the train. You have to take them away. So for that, she happened to buy time. And they put them in a siding. They put them in a, in a shed of the siding. And all the children were there. And Ronnie was being held by one of the staff. And the staff said, they asked, is she Jewish? And apparently the staff said, not sure. And she handed her back to, to Madame Bloom. <laughs> so Madame Bloom walked down as well with Ronnie in her arms and, and 58 children. And eventually the queen did get word of what was happening, and the Queen got involved with the hierarchy of the Germans, and they managed to get, luckily, luckily they weren't on the train, luckily they were still in the shed, Mm -hmm. and they managed to put back 58 children, and they managed to rescue another six Mm -hmm. that they found in other areas as well, all infants, Mm -hmm. and they picked them up, they came Mm -hmm. back with uh, 64 children, which are, and arrived back in, in 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 the which had been, unfortunately, they, they actually rubbed the, the orphanage, but they replaced everything eventually. The Queen managed to replace everything. And they stayed there for a long time in the orphanage. Gosh. And they, the next time they got word of the Nazis, whenever the Nazis were short of, of uh, people to put on the trains to Auschwitz, they, they knew that they could take these children. And they, they had arranged to come again, but they got word of it. And, and Madame Bloom managed to clear all of the children out. It's a di- different story. How so amazing. And you know what? Um, we will talk about Madame Bloom and, and the, um, how she was recognized also after the war. But for a moment, thank you so much for that, Ava. Um, Ava, by the way, wrote the most beautiful book for Roni. Roni, tell me how you felt. It's called To My Darling Roni. And what a wonderful gift. Well, we were married 58 years. And we he took me away to a hotel for the night. And he suddenly presented me with this book. And I opened it. And, and I don't know, my heart just flew into heaven, if there is such a thing. And 
it, it was like the most beautiful gift I ever had in my life, and it mm. still is. And is it a story sure. of your life? Yes, and my parents, what he could find in the mm. archives. And it, it, it's even, it's down to the great-grandchild. So oh. it's a span of, of um, from 1936 to, uh, to uh, what's the year, 2021. Mm-hmm. Gosh. It was, you know, not... Not diamonds and pills and all the rubbish <laughs> in the world. It's just a book, but done with such love. It took him five months, and I didn't oh. know a thing about it. How oh, amazing! Love- you what? Say that again. I still, I still love him after oh. sixty. 60- 63 years. How wonderful to hear. But now I've got to take you back again. Tell me about your aunt. Do you remember anything about the boat trip going across to England? Nothing. Just sadness. And did you, did you cry or, or did you just keep the tears inside yourself? I really don't know. But I remember in England, I used to cry quite often. I used to go up to the bedroom and, and sit and cry and look at the clouds. And, uh, and at 14, I shouldn't tell you this, but I wanted to commit suicide. Uh, I'm not surprised, really. Um, and then I carried on. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's your strength, the fact that you do carry on. But what was England like for you? It obviously was very traumatic if you wanted to commit suicide at that age. Traumatic. Um, Imagine yourself at five, sitting at a desk in a class of four children. How many children? Forty in Mm -hmm. those days. Forty. Sitting behind you and looking at the blackboard in front of you. And you sitting right in the front. You never spoke a word of English. And I didn't work, uh, speak a word of English. I didn't really speak French well. I spoke a little bit of Yiddish, whatever. Um, I used to run out when there was a, a interval and meet with my sister. The two of us used to just huddle in the corner of oh. the playground mm. and just feel miserable. Oh. And then and then in the holidays, I mean, I, I loved my dad, fun, funnily enough. And my mother was a bit strict by my standards, and to standards today be flung. So you were and adopted by by your father's sister and her husband? Yes. And did you take on her name, their name? His name, yes. When I was 11, I was adopted. And you became Rosa, Rosa Luck. Yeah. Mm. I became yeah, but I became Rosa from when I went to school. I was still Rosa Wildman at the time. And were you ever allowed to talk about your past? Never, never, ever. Oh, no, never allowed to talk about it. So I used to go upstairs to the bedroom, feel like Cinderella. I don't know why I just Cinderella. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and uh, were you allowed to say that you were adopted by them, or what happened? At 11, they took us to an office and they changed the name to Luck. And uh, at 11 also, we changed from private school to the intermediate school mm. at 11. Mm. 10, 11, 
So it wasn't a, a big thing. But then I was also Rosa Luck in the new school. Mm-hmm. And and you were adopted by them, and you were not allowed to tell people that you were adopted. Nobody, nobody, mm-hmm. and they always talked that they had three kids of their own by then, so there were five girls in the house. I mean, I understand it must have been very difficult, and uh, nobody was allowed to say that we were adopted. Mm-hmm. I mean. So there were these unbelievable secrets that you had to hold within yourself. Unbelievable secrets. Did you and your sister ever speak about the past at that stage in England? I possibly did now and again. Not, uh, not that I remember anything. And, and Roni, tell me about you, you used to go to the library. What sort of books did you choose? You're breaking up. You've suddenly frozen. How do you? Hang on. Okay, now you're back. Tell me about the books that you would choose. Well, I want to know because I don't think I've ever mentioned it to anybody. I used to go to the library like twice a week. It was just around the corner and get out books, pictures about the, the, the war. And then I used to hide them under the bed in case my mother saw them. Mm. Mm. So there was uh, another secret you had to hold. Mm. Oh, I've got plenty plenty of secrets. Mm. Mm. Unbelievable (laughs) to expect a young child to to actually deny their past so much as as you were meant to. And in the holidays that were farmed out, I just happened to know the story from Roni, they were sort of sent out often to the countryside, to places which were supposed to be of safety, but they weren't always of safety. But we're not going to discuss that now. But that was another very traumatic part of, of uh, Roni's life. Now, tell me about your love for Israel. When did that happen? My life actually began. My sis, I was 16 and my sister was 18 and she went to Israel and went to a kibbutz in Israel. And I wanted to go with her, but I was not allowed. As soon as I was 18, I was in Habonim, which is a youth movement in England. And I, they were going to Israel for a year on kibbutz. And I said, I'm coming with you. And then I told my mother and she said, no, I think we were, yeah, I was 18, just, no, you can't go, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Anyway, 18 and a half, I was off to Israel with the group. And then my life, my good life, really began. Mm. What was, was so wonderful. good about it? What, what, what was it about Freedom. Israel that, that fed Freedom. your soul? Freedom and justice. Mm. These are two five things that are very strong in me. The rest, I always used to say, there's ten commandments. I'm looking for God. I believe in the latter ten, five. I don't believe in the first five. And that's when I, how I grew up. I got to Israel. It was the land of the Jews. It was, it was, I, I, I had people I loved with me in the group. Um, I hadn't met either yet. I had a boyfriend or two in the kibbutz. Um, and we're going to get, every- we're going to get back to that shortly. I'm not ending it because of the boyfriends, but we're going to a break. 
This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on the Finding Human program. My guests today are uh, Ronnie and Ava Wolf. In actual fact, I haven't spoken much to Ava, but we are going to make a special time. Um, you can SMS us on 34519 or you can telegram us on 061 8951019 Ronnie is telling us her story about uh, being a little tot in the orphanage in Antwerp um when her parents were taken by the Nazis and how eventually she ended up in in London very it was a very unsettled time for her by the time she was 18 she managed to get to Israel and find happiness and security there you know, one thing you said to me yesterday, Roni, which I found quite interesting, you said you wanted to go to India and save the world. Now, it's a funny thing, but Maya Angelou, who was severely um, abused as a young child, said healing, as soon as healing takes place, go out and heal somebody else. And I wonder if that's not what happened to you once you got to the kibbutz, what was it about your friends that you suddenly felt you were accepted? What was it about my friends? Maybe they had also wanted to go to run away from something. Mm. I mean, a year to go to a different country. I don't know their reasoning. Mm. But um, I, my best friend, actually, from those days is still with me. Mm. And uh, he also had a very hard Background mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. in England. So you, and sh- you did you share your stories with her? The mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. that's we're, amazing. We're, we're still friendly. Seventy mm-hmm. years, eighty no, sixty-five years later, mm-hmm. she's in Israel. And oh, if you think I've had a bad one, she's had a terrible one. But she also she lives above the sadness in life. Mm-hmm. But uh, after the kibbutz, we decided to join the army in Israel, and it was wonderful. Was it? Tell and me that, what was wonderful about it, apart from Ava. <laughs> <laughs> you understand me so well already. <laughs> okay, what was so wonderful about uh, the army? First of all, it was a freedom. I mean, I want to be, when he tells me what to do, I say, please don't tell me. I can think for myself. Because <laughs> he wants to help me all the mm. time. Anyway, um, it was the freedom. It was the, it was like we're part of the liberation of the Jewish people. If I think deeply, mm. we were just not just running away, but going to a place that we could actually be part of helping the Jewish people. And you were needed. So you were felt you were needed there. Yes, absolutely. Mm. My friend feels the same. Mm. Mm. We very similar in that. Mm. She's also lovely. What can I tell you? Full of life. And she's had a hard time if you want to interview her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sticking with you right now because I'm really enjoying seeing you. Now, okay. tell me, you, you met Ava and on on the kibbutz, right? 
And then you, no, there were 16 the, South African boys. What? Tell me about that. Yeah. That was in the army when I joined the army, the army with my friend. Mm. Yes, there were 16 South African guys and one South African girl. And he stood out. It took time. I, I was the girlfriend of another one. Meantime, I'm sure you had a lot of boyfriends looking at you and how beautiful you are and were also. Not at all. But anyway, um, he's, uh, towards the end of our two and a half years, I just saw that there was something special in him. He was like the leader of the pack. I don't know why. He, it's not that he had anything that I could see. It was just an inner thing about him that he knew what he wanted with life he he what's Arachim the values. values his values mm. were like the ones that I would like to have had mm. uh, he just he just I found in him somebody special and it's been so for 63 years how absolutely amazing a real soul connection mm. That's exactly what it is, mm. yes. And then tell me about when you, you then, well, quite a bit later, because Ivor's going to join me on a program telling me his side of the story, but so you better behave. <laughs> <laughs> but you then, you you came to South Africa. You got married and came to South Africa. Were you longing for Israel in that time? Can I put a little bit in between? Mm-hmm. I didn't come, I went back to England and I refused his proposal of marriage because I was insecure and I wasn't sure he loved me and I said, no, thank you. Next thing, he comes to England and asks again and I say, no, thank you. And he has a, a bike and he goes touring and he goes, he stays overnight in one of these English inns mm-hmm. and then into a brawl. He had an Israeli flag, a Siemens hostel. He had a brawl because he had an Israeli flag on the back of his pack (laughs) and stabbed him. The next thing, I'm on the other side of England, I get a phone call. I've been stabbed. I said, oh, come come home. And he (laughs) came home. Then I accepted his proposal. And then... What did you say, Ava? I said, she actually... She actually bandaged me up. I, we, there was a brawl in a Siemens hostel, and, and the, I, and the, and the, the, the man in charge said the police would come and they would want to investigate what happened because they made a big mess. And he said he suggested because I was a foreigner with an Israeli flag that I get out of there and he didn't even go to the hospital because they would have to report the incident. So I went. Got on my bike, I had a motorbike, went from Wales, travelled all the way to London to meet this young lady. <laughs> all right, that's fantastic. We're back with you, Roni. So you <laughs> you married your charismatic Ava and yes. came to South Africa. And yes. tell me I know that you told me about your, we, we jumping forward a bit because time yes. is going so quickly. How long were you yes. in South Africa for? I was Thank there you. for 13 years and every day I used to say to him, either we're, we're going to Israel 
when are we going to Israel? You promised me we'll go to Israel. 13 years is enough. I'm going to Israel. If you come, you come. Don't come, you don't come. Wow. And did you have children then? I had four children. (laughs) And it was so easy there because everybody does everything for you. But I worked in order to get some finances, and he worked. And there we finally arrived in Israel in 1974. So you didn't didn't have to pack up your four children and yourself and leave Ava in South Africa? I don't think I would have been able to. Oh, good. (laughs) We're going to get back to that shortly. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson. Only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on the Finding Human program. My guest today is, has been Roni Wolf and Ava has been with him, her as well in Israel. And we have dedicated this program to her sister, Regina Warman, who passed away a few months ago. Um, Roni has been telling me about her to her time in Antwerp, in the orphanage, then in England, then South Africa, then back to Israel, and we're back in Israel at the moment. And when you came back to Israel, how did your children uh, cope with the move? Um, anybody over ten years old, it is difficult. My uh, my. Oldest child was already 11, 12. For her to leave her friends and everything was not easy. And also a foreign language again. Everything. Mm. But the kids, the little ones adapted quickly, but the bigger one not. Mm. But in fact, even the six-year-old, it was hard. But after a few years, everything falls, for me, everything falls into place. Ronnie Wolf says when... When you want something enough and it happens, it's filled your whole life. I mean, there's, and you keep going in with, on with life and it happens from time to time. Well, Ronnie Wolf is a very, very wise lady, I must admit. And you know, one I, thing that I, I, a, a message did come through on my phone asking, were you overprotective with your own children because of your experiences? No. No, I really wanted, first of all, one of them is on the, uh, a grandchild on the autistic spectrum. Mm-hmm. And I've given him all the, uh, forward pushing that a mother gives. It's my grandchild, but catching buses when he's young, walking upstairs. I've had a few squabbles with my husband because he's different from me. He wants to model a coddle and I, See how you gain strength by a little bit of hardship. I'm not saying too much. Mm, mm. So I, I allowed them to be their own persons, and today they are well settled, happy. Wasn't Wonderful. easy, but I'm sure. And then the other be- question that came through was yes. um, looking back on your life. Where did you, did you think that you always had this sort of strength? Um, I don't think I had the strength because I was very depressed quite often and unhappy. But I really wanted uh, to help people in life. Mm. And you and did. I thought, well, okay, my, okay, I'll tell you how I did with my closest. 
my my forethought was to be Mother Teresa, but it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go to England, uh, <laughs> to, India. to India, and help the lepers, 500 million, 200 million, whatever at the time. And my darling husband said to me, Ronnie, as long as you help the people around you, that's all God wants for you. Mm. I said, well, I believe so. It's easy for me to help, you know. Wise anyway. words, though. Mm. Yeah, he was right. I mean, how I would have been finished. But, um, Roni, our time is going so quickly. Would you just mention your adopted parents? Because you ended up looking after them. How did that come about? How it came about, uh, one of their daughters went, was living in South Africa, and they were still in England. One of them came to Israel. Her husband died. She came to Israel. And the other one was still in England. But they eventually, in, in, when they were 78 years old, they came to Israel. And uh, um, maybe, yeah, yeah. And they came on Aliyah, and yeah. we helped them find a flat, and we helped them, and, you know, give back a little. But uh, it wasn't as easy. I'm yeah. sure. we. I'm being told to wrap up. But I will be in contact with both of you. Ava, are you prepared to come on my program next week? Only with pleasure. And can, can, can Ronnie sit next to you and every now and again correct you? She can do that. She does that anyway. <laughs> Thank you both so much for being with me. Um, I know that people will want to pick up this podcast. It will be on, uh, on the High FM website later. And I will be in touch with both of you. Thank you so much for being with me, Roni. I really enjoyed our time together. And I'll, I'll meet with you both next week. God bless. Bye. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you, Craig. And thank you, Makundi.